Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the MDDDS podcast. We are starting our second year of MDDDS and I'm extremely excited. We had a wonderful first year and uh, we have a whole new curriculum for this year. And uh, it's been a few months that we've been off and we're just excited to see everyone and to get back into year two. This is gonna be a whole new curriculum with seven different themes on different topics. And I can't tell you how excited I am about that. Tonight we're going to do an introduction to MDDDS. We're gonna talk about why we're doing the Memphis Doctors and Dentists Discipleship Study. It's a Bible study that meets at my house here in Germantown um, and why we would like for you to be a part of that. And then we're also gonna get into our series on Romans. We're gonna do the introduction to Romans and talk about who wrote it and why and a bunch more. Um, we're gonna then continue on with Romans over the next four weeks. And Romans is, without a doubt, the best book, in my opinion, in the New Testament. I think it has uh, all the major theology. I think it's definitely Paul's masterwork, and I'm excited to walk through those words together with you. So without further ado, it is me tonight who is teaching. Uh, I am Dr. Kyle Fagala, the host of this uh, podcast, and I want to welcome you. If you're out there and you're listening to this, maybe someone sent it to you, um, please come join us in person. Obviously, it's much better in person. My house, Monday nights at 6.30 in Germantown. You can find more on Facebook about that. But without further ado again, uh, here we go with an introduction to MDDDS and an introduction to Romans. So with MDDDS, uh, I guess the question kind of comes, why are we doing this? David just touched on it. Uh, for me, it's a you know slightly different story, but similar thing. And I think it's that going into dental school, um, I guess even going back a little bit from that for what it's worth, in college, sophomore year, the summer after that, there was a situation where I was at home. I was working at a cardiology associates, uh, ironically, like filing papers, like a, a terrible, miserable job. I was literally on the verge of like not wanting to have that job ever again. But um, I had helped with the college group, like doing Bible studies and things like that. And the youth intern did something really stupid and got fired. And then they had me step in to be a youth intern. And so I had about like eight weeks maybe of being a youth intern that I wasn't expecting. And it was awesome. And all of a sudden I was like, man, maybe I want to be a youth intern. Like maybe I want to go into youth ministry. Uh, they ended up offering me a job to be a college minister at that church. They're like, we'll pay for your school. You just want you to stay here and all this. It was in my hometown where I'd grown up. And I really thought, maybe I'll do this because I had studied science. I didn't love science. I didn't love biology. I certainly didn't love chemistry. Sorry for you that like chemistry. Absolutely didn't love physics. But anyway, um, so I was like, maybe I will just do this. Um, and I prayed about it. I thought about it. It just never felt right. And the idea was, well, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to continue dentistry. But if I do that, I feel like God is telling me that I need to use this as a ministry because that was the excuse I used was, I'll go and I'll be a dentist and it won't just be, <laughs> it won't just be about, um, it won't just be about um, money and sort of things you're talking about making a zillion dollars. It'll be, it'll be a purposeful thing and I'll use it as a way to, to share Jesus. And also I wanted to meet a wife, which I did shortly thereafter. So that was good. Um, so if I'd already met you, I might be youth minister now, but our college minister. Um, so I went back uh, with that in mind, but of course things quickly give way to, well, I'm trying to get through college and then into dental school and I'm stressed and you kind of forget about all these things that you sort of promise yourself or the things that you say in an interview to get picked, right? Like I'm going to save the world. That's why I want to be a medical doctor. And then sometimes you forget about that. And so it's always kind of been lingering in the back of my mind that I needed to do more with my life. Um, I was actually going, going to church here in Memphis called White Station, a really great church. We were helping with the youth group. This is in dental school and it was good. But what I'd found was is that um, spiritually I was actually in a worse spot than I was in college and in high school. I think we kind of regressed in marriage. We not focused on our marriage as much as we should. We not focused on our own faith or maturing in that. And we just kind of helped with the youth group and 
I mean, it wasn't a bad thing, but we just had not like tried to learn anything. It's kind of like if I had taken one course of chemistry and I never thought about chemistry again, which is true. Um, <laughs> like if I took a test on chemistry, like I would have failed. And I think the same is true of, of theology and spiritual matters. And if you're not praying, you're not like committed to disciplines, you're going to get worse at that. It's like working out. Like if I worked out three years ago, probably not going to do so well in the triathlon, you know, so you've got to stay on those things. And so um, they need to not be that loud. Um, so uh, I actually ran into David in this kind of moment of not even really realizing where we were at spiritually at a homecoming. And he invited me to go to Highland, and so we did. And from that day, really, things changed. And so I uh, quickly kind of ended up teaching and working together in that class. and went from a class of like 10 of us or 15 of us to like a class that was over 100 at one point. Um, and so it's really just finding people that were committed to really diving into theology and trying to learn more about Jesus and really holding up the authority of the scriptures and of God's sovereignty in this world. Um, and that is a rare thing, and I think an increasingly rare thing, that people actually thirst for that knowledge and thirst to uh, you know, kind of make their lives living sacrifices day after day um, and to live by the Spirit and all these sort of things that we sort of say, but like very few people actually do it. And so it's really changed the way that I think and, and, and all sorts of things through that. Um, and so here is the quote. This is on your sheet. And so if you'll look at your sheet, so into the Roman section, what we'll do is there will be a front and back each week where you'll be able to write uh, like a few blanks, just kind of keep you engaged because, hey, y'all are medical dental school people, um, so you like filling out blanks, I would think. Uh, so your first blank is gonna be a quote that's from Jim Rohn, and it says is that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think this is true too, and this is why this is so important, is that if you are able to put yourself in a place where you're around people that think this way and that are seeking truth together, it will make a difference in who you are. And unfortunately, you're going to be forced in your school career to be around people that don't think this way and that have all sorts of different priorities. Um, you're going to be surrounded by people in your work career. More than my family, I'm around the people I work with that have all sorts of different priorities. So you really need to, to seek and aggressively seek, I would say, time around people who are spiritually minded and they're trying to do these sorts of things. And certainly in your family, you need to foster that kind of environment and that kind of relationship too. Okay, so uh, here's sort of a statement about our group is that we believe that God has called each of us to teach, evangelize, and make disciples. All right, so that's going to be super important um, with the kind of the way that we do this group. And so we're trying to do all three with this group. We want to teach. We think that's really important. And you don't have to be a professor or have a master's of theology or be a doctor in theology or be a doctor in you know, cardiology even to teach. Okay, You could teach right now in something. To evangelize, to share the good news of the gospel, you don't have to be, again, a pastor to do that. And then to make, this, make disciples the same thing, you really more than anything have to be intentional and to put yourself out there. Okay, and there's plenty of ways that you can do that. Um, and I don't have all that figured out just because we're doing this group. I promise you I don't. Um, here's some theme verses that I'm going to have you all read. We're going to go in the same order. If you're comfortable reading, if you're not, um, how'd you get into medical school? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. You can read. Um, all right, so Exodus 9, 16. All right, but for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. All right, and then Luke uh, 12, 48b. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been given or has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. That's the Spider-Man verse, if you were paying attention, <laughs> um, if that makes sense to you. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.12. I actually can ask you for you. That's great. 1 Timothy 4.12. Uh, 
Uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. That was always my favorite verse as a teenager. Um, I would like say that was my favorite verse just because it's, it's important. And I've underlined young because we are still thought of as young. And I think culturally we're holding on to this idea that we are young for longer and longer and longer because we don't want to give that up because with age comes responsibility. Um, and that's ridiculous. And I think that's what's hurting the church more than anything is inability for young people to stand up and do something. Um, all right, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so it's kind of like Jesus' parting statement called the Great Commission. And so that's like, that's like everything, right? I mean, there's so much that we can unpackage there. Um, or unpack there. Uh, so then kind of moving on to this next section, why should you be part of uh, MDDDS? Um, and I guess this feels like a little bit of a shameless plug. I will say this is if this is the only time you ever come and you're like, you know what, this is just not going to work for me. That is totally fine. It's a no judgment zone. We'll, we'll take the, your name out of there. It's fine. We'll hand it off. Um, I, like I get, believe me, and I think the fact that we went through medical school, we went through dental school and all the other mess that followed after, we get it that it's busy and that it's overwhelming and that you have a lot of other stuff you could be doing right now. Like I totally get that. And that's why it's important to us that each week is valuable and that you'll learn something, you'll take something away from it, and that we'll try and foster an environment that's really positive for you. Um, but we get that there's other options, okay? Um, but I do want to say uh, we get it, and I have it written down here. Medical and dental school are difficult and demanding. There's no doubt. We get that. And it's only going to get more so for some of you that are first years. Um, I would say that it's easy to become focused purely on school and on tests, and it's easy because of the stress that comes with that to be dependent on substances and sins of all different types. Um, even just the sin of like disengagement, um, to whatever degree that's a sin. Uh, but certainly you'll see a lot of people that turn to drinking and pills and whatever else um, and all sorts of other things, and it's not healthy. Um, I'd also say from a, a standpoint of the church, a lot of you maybe in college, certainly in high school, were really active in the church perhaps. You hit dental school, and maybe this happened in college already, but you hit dental school, it's really easy to just disengage from it. There's a lot of reasons given for that, I'll ask you that, but the blank there is it's easy to disengage from the church during these four years. So I want to ask, so a little bit of discussion here, uh, why do people disengage from church when they're in medical or dental school? Like what do you think are the most common reasons given? Yeah, not enough time. Not wanting to do it alone, you said? Yeah. Anything else? I think I would say, that, I know I'm answering my own discussion question, but I would think that there's like a fear that it maybe won't matter like a little bit, you know, that you're just putting roots down for a little bit and you're going to be gone anyway. I think you see a lot of that. Or that you can't have influence during the school year. Hmm. Or during your time as a student, you're not a doctor yet, you're not a dentist yet. What can you actually do while in school? Hmm. I think it takes like a certain amount of courage. It's, you know, kind of, we think about like coming here tonight. Like mm -hmm. you didn't, you may kind of know a few each other, but really, even then, you only been in school like a week. You didn't know us, and so come to someone's house you don't really know, and it's kind of awkward. And so it's got to really be important for you to go through kind of those socially awkward steps to get plugged in somewhere. Sure. It's easier just to sleep in and watch 
Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to do that some Sundays. Um, yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of reasons. Um, I think probably the most common one, and it's a great excuse because I know how busy you are, is I'm just busy. i got to study. You know, you could use that excuse for just about anything. Like, Mom, I can't, I can't make it to your birthday. i got to study. You know, <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, don't do that. Um, I think the other like probably like more common step is like, and maybe you don't like voice it or vocalize it, but it's I'm going to be in Memphis for four years. Like, I love Knoxville. I'm going back to Knoxville. There's no way I'm staying in Memphis. So why bother for these four years to really get plugged in? And so maybe you kind of dip your toe in church and you kind of show up to the late service and sort of you go in, you leave five minutes early so you can get to lunch or whatever. And I wouldn't say that that's terrible. It's at least being there. But church is about so much more than that. Church is intentionally a thing that Jesus instituted so that we would have other Christians to be around and that we could share life and resources and be there for each other to challenge each other. So there's a corporate nature to church that is way more valuable than just listening to a podcast of a preacher a thousand miles away, okay? And I think some of that is getting lost as technology has kind of changed a little bit how we think about things. Um, So I think going to a church is so important. I'd also say that the church of, of Jesus doesn't have a hometown. You know, it's not like you can only be a member of the Knoxville Baptist Assembly or whatever. You know, the church is a global thing. And so I think to be a part of that is really helpful. I'd also say that y'all are smart and talented. And there's a reason why you're in medical and dental school and orthodontics and so on and so forth. Um, and the church needs smart and talented people like to help lead even now, even while you're young, even when you're busy, to whatever degree that you can. Um, and so I would say, again, this is not a replacement for that. And so if you're going to use this as an excuse to not go to church on Sunday regularly, don't do that. Um, I think church is its own thing and really important. This is a study, and it is a group. And I think of y'all as, like, my family, and it's, like, great seeing you because I'm looking at y'all. Um, uh, and it is a family, but it's not a church in that sense. Okay. All right, so we hope that MDDS will help you grow as a Christian. Um, I think this is another side topic, but I think as we get into school, and it's already like, look, I already did better on the ACT than all my friends. And I already got a medical school, and they didn't. And then I'm going to get into anesthesiology, and they aren't. Like, there is this, like, continual, like, we're in competition, we're in competition. And you'll start to believe the lie that we are smarter or better or more accomplished than almost anyone else. I remember a dental professor saying this. He's like, at this point, just know that you have learned and forgotten more than most people will ever learn. And I remember thinking, that's so true. What a terrible way of thinking whether that is true. And it probably is to be honest. Um, But what a terrible way of thinking. What a prideful way of thinking. Um, And so I think it's easy to think that maybe either science has all the answers to life, or maybe the fact that you're a doctor is all that can define you or that it's the most important thing. But in 50 years, it will not matter. Well, in five years, it won't matter how you're going to do on the biochem exam. It really won't. In 50 years, it won't matter that you're a doctor. Okay. In a thousand years, it absolutely won't matter. And so we have to like pull ourselves out of the mud that we're in and kind of look from things at a 20 or 30,000 view and decide what's important for ourselves. And in the midst of that, it's really hard to do. And I'm guilty as anybody of that, of in the moment being so taken with the things that won't matter in 15 or 20 minutes. And that is life, is focusing on things that aren't important and that sometimes aren't even urgent. And we're just so focused on those. So anyway, um, I would also say this is that, um, and here's the blank, uh, part of this thinking comes from not maturing in our understanding of Christianity and so I guess think about how little you actually knew about anatomy. I remember when I showed up in Gross Anatomy and I knew nothing. And by the end, like I knew like all these little details about the body and I saw like things in a different way. Um, and then I had to take it again in orthodontics. Um, 
But think about how much, how little you knew about this before you got into medical school. Maybe you took anatomy like in college and you're like, oh, I know a lot. I took two A&Ps. I know a lot about anatomy. And then you get into gross and you're like, okay, I knew nothing about anatomy. <laughs> Were these even both humans that I was studying? Um, but what I would say about this is we should approach Christianity in the same way. Like think about how much you're learning already when you're actually spending time with it. Um, and to think that we have God figured out, we have the Bible figured out, we have Christianity figured out is really kind of silly. Um, and so studying more and knowing more about our faith is central to believing it and living it out and, and making it important in our lives and eventually in the lives of your kids and uh, in your friends' lives too. So what I would say is in the midst of learning all this other stuff and you get to a point where it's like, I don't want to read one more sentence of text. I don't want to learn one more thing. I don't want to think. Um, don't put theology on the back burner. So don't, don't take theology off the stove so you can focus on all your other stuff. Like leave a spot for God um, in your kitchen, okay? Um, all right, so here's a verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Uh, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, became a man, I gave up childish ways. So obviously if you're a woman, you can insert woman into there. This is Paul writing this, so naturally he says became a man. But just when I became a grown-up, I gave up childish ways, okay? And so officially, if no one's told you yet, you are grown-ups, okay? And so uh, we need to put away childish ways, myself included. All right, so this is not on your sheet, but uh, what can you do in terms of this group, whether you decide to, like, be a part of it or you don't? Uh, I would just ask for prayer for the success of the group. Um, I think it's been really important and valuable, certainly to me um, and to other people that have, that have come to it. Um, we'd love it if you'd attend regularly. It's always better when there's more people here. When there's new people here, it's great. Um, the goal, again, for this group is mostly discipleship because we're mostly going to be, you know, it's mostly going to be Christians who are going to come. We're going to be talking, I would say, generally on things that are maybe a little bit more theologically deep. This is not like graduate level stuff, but it's also not like seeker-friendly type stuff. But I would love it. We've had in the past to have some Muslims and some atheists and all, you know, everything in between. We would love that. I'd love to have time to sit down and talk through those things. Um, and so, again, invite your friends. You can share the Facebook page. You can share the podcast. You can text, call, you can talk to someone in person if you want to do that. Um, and I guess this is the big idea of this group is, is that all this is cataloged, all this is available. And so if you ever go back to wherever it is you're going back, you're going back to Knoxville, and you have a group of teenagers or college kids or young adults or whatever, you can teach this to them. And so it's a resource that will be available to you if you ever want it. Eventually we're going to print them up in books, and I will gladly send you as many as you want. If, if you're like, hey, I'm going to teach this class, I'll send you all the books you'd ever want. Okay. So that's the idea. And if it's not this, something else, just what I want for you to see is how easy it is really to teach something like this and make an impact over time. Uh, so that's, that would be like my, my deepest hope is that it takes seeds in your heart, but also that you want to go and then disciple others. Okay. And you want to multiply this kind of thing. All right. So I'm going to ask this question and you may, this may be too personal a question, but uh, how can all of us in here, how can we help while you're in medical and dental school? Like in what ways um, do you already see that you might need help or that you think uh, some of us can be there to help you? I think one thing you touched on, um, kind of keeping the important things important, um, not wasting your life, because I think it's easy to get excited, especially for me. Um, can't speak for everybody, but to get excited about the things that you're doing, because they seem so cool, they're so interesting, and like they seem really, really important when you, know, you can save somebody's life with it. Um, and it is, it you know, is. yeah. But you know, saving, helping save somebody's soul or like your soul is more important than your body. Yeah, I, I think if there's, it depends on the week, but like priorities or prior, 
prioritization, it's a tough word. It's probably the thing that most adults fail at is really prioritizing like what is most important. And you kind of think of like the guy on his deathbed or the gal on his death, or her deathbed that's like, what do you wish you'd done more of? And the stuff that we spend most of our lives doing is not what that person would say. And like they've done those like studies like in psychology journals, like what do these people say? And it's always about investing more in people and all this kind of stuff. It's never like, man, I, you know, I just wish I'd finished season three of Billions, you know, like, and that, that's kind of like where my mind goes most of the time. We're like, you know what, I wish I had traded for that fantasy football player so I could have won, you know? Um, and the beauty is, is I've won the last two years, so it doesn't matter. So I'll, the trophies in there, I'll show you later. But, um, but it's the things that will have long-lasting legacy, not just here on Earth, but eternally. Okay, what else can we do to help you guys? I was gonna say this might be a good group. Yeah, um, I guess is there anything like as a Christian that you feel like you you're not there on yet, if that makes sense. Like I'll, I'll talk. There's one. I don't pray enough. I don't read my Bible enough. Like I'm not consistent enough in those disciplines. Um, and again, like using like the training metaphor. Like if you're training for a marathon, you're probably running like how many times a week? Four times? Five times? You probably run every day. You take some rest days, right? We don't do marathons. We don't do those. Well, days. let's say you were. If I was, then yeah, absolutely. Every day? Pretty much. There, okay. there would be. Yeah, I mean, there's you would you would do some kind of workout every day. Wow. Okay. Um, so if I'm trying to training to be the best Christian I can be, eh, I probably should be praying and reading my Bible every day. You know, so it's like a very obvious thing, and yet uh, I don't know that I do a great job of it. So. I guess the other things that we're here as a resource for is that like literally if there's everything you run into where you need help with something like we're here as a resource, hopefully this group can kind of become that for you too. Um, and then every Monday night we'll have, we'll have a lesson, we'll have coffee and dessert. And now that you've given us your birthdays, we'll have on your birthday your favorite dessert. Unless there were some, were there some ridiculous answers on there? Okay. If you ask for something too elaborate, we may have to simplify it. Down. I put creme brulee and can't wait to Oh, I love creme brulee. No, you know what? That's that's in, that's actually. So, so I love I love cooking, so it gives me an excuse to buy a blowtorch. We will do creme brulee. Don't you worry. But you have you have to come back. So all right, um, it's a top three dessert for me. All right, so I want to shift over into. Um, our lesson for tonight, that was really just like kind of an intro, so I'm really doing two, so I'm sorry. It'll be a little bit longer than we were talking about. We are going to commit to a tighter schedule this year, but uh, we're going to get into our study on Romans, and so it's hard to know like what to start a year on, um, but we'll talk about why we think Romans is a great place to start. You may have studied Romans maybe multiple times. I took a class in college, the best Bible class I took in college. Also, the hardest A that I made was a class on Romans. Really good. Um, but we're just going to do an introduction to Romans. So I will warn you that as a first night this you may kind of leave being like yeah, it's okay like come back i promise we'll get into more of the theology and of course as you can see there's some different stuff we'll kind of work it around and go through a lot of different things um and i'm really excited about some of the things we're getting into but we're going to do romans which is a great book if you've not read it and i just want to talk a little bit about the significance of romans um and so you probably know this i just don't know where everyone's at so we'll just say it um technically the epistle to the Romans. Uh, we call it Romans, but it's the sixth book in the New Testament. So it comes after the four Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts, or Acts of the Apostles. These are called the historical books, and they kind of happen in sequence, of course. 
And then after Romans comes the rest of the epistles and Revelation. And so you probably know this, but they weren't written in that order. In fact, a lot of the books that come after were written before these books that come first, but they're written in kind of order of significance and sort of in a thematic order. And so there's a reason that Romans comes first, and it's largely seen as kind of the key epistle that but Paul wrote. All right, um, and so that's kind of why it's right there, sort of a tent post uh, into the rest of the epistles. All right, so N.T. Wright, if you know who N.T. Wright is, he's like a theolog- uh, theologically, theology guru. He's a British guy. YouTube him. He speaks so eloquently, better than I could, and I wish... You know, I should just have him recorded saying this. But anyway, I'm going to read this for you real quick. This is what he says about Romans. It is neither a systematic theology nor a summary of Paul's life work, but is by common consent his masterpiece. It dwarfs most of his other writings, an alpine peak towering over hills and villages. Not all onlookers have viewed it in the same light or from the same angle, and their snapshots and paintings of it are sometimes remarkably unlike. Not all climbers have taken the same route up its sheer sides, and there is frequent disagreement on the best approach. What no one doubts is that we are, uh, dealing, what we are dealing with here is a work of massive substance presenting a formidable intellectual challenge while offering a breathtaking theological and spiritual vision. Um, yeah, so he's a talented writer, uh, much more so than I am. Okay, what he's saying is essentially is that everyone argues over the details of Romans, but it is beautiful. No one would argue over that. Uh, Jack Cottrell, he says this, that the book of Romans may be the most read and most influential book of the Bible, but sometimes it is the most neglected and most misunderstood book. And then we've got Martin Luther, um, who says, This epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament, and is truly the purest gospel. It is not worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word, by heart, but also that he should occupy himself with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. We can never read it or ponder over it too much, for the more we deal with it, the more precious it becomes, and the better it tastes. Uh, Pretty well written, too. It's good stuff. So... Um, I'm going to try and not write anything about Romans so I don't have to go up against these guys. Um, all right, so you've probably noticed some of these posters, and we can pass this around. I feel like you're kind of getting resource overload, and I'm sorry, but I love these things, and i got to say, let me just get it out because it's kind of cool, I think. Anyone familiar with the Bible Project? Yes? Okay. All right, so I bought the, the little book. I'll move... It's a huge book. They actually had to outsource it to China to get it made, but they have created little summaries for each uh, chapter of the Bible, which is really cool. Yeah, Bible, sorry, the book of the Bible. And so, uh, anyway, so that's what those look like. And they're really awesome. There's little videos that go with them. They're all free, and they're translating them in different languages and all this kind of stuff. It's really, really amazing. And so if you're not familiar with it, go YouTube it. If you're ever bored, like, watch some of the videos. And they don't just do the books of the Bible. They also do other stuff. They also have a podcast. Yada, yada, yada. But I want to give you a little bit of background because we're going to be using their resource a lot. We're going to use it when we do the Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to use it for Romans. We'll have a short video here in a second. Uh, But it's two guys, Tim Mackey and John Collins. They're up in, I think, Portland. One's a preacher pastor. One's a graphic designer. And they've collaborated together. Uh, So they came up with this idea that they were going to do every book of the Bible like this. I think it was 2012. They, they launched a YouTube channel in 2014, and back then it took them three months to produce these videos. Okay? And incidentally, the first video that they made was Romans, which I think is interesting, so what we're about to see. Um, Francis Chan reached out to them a few months after that, and he said, look, I've got a challenge for you. I know you're going to do this maybe three months at a time. Maybe you'll finish it in ten years. How about we do all of them in a year? <laughs> and gave him a lot of money. And so uh, they said, sure, let's do that. And so this became the Read Scripture series. 
So we're going to use this uh, on and off. And last year, their videos received over 32 million views, and it's just growing and growing and growing. So you can contribute to it. This book is like 50 bucks. It's great. It's almost too big, but OK. Um, and so what I'm going to do is you've got this poster, and it looks very overwhelming. I get that. But it breaks up uh, all the sections. I guess you can't point a laser pointer at a TV, can you? Um, it breaks up uh, Romans into these four sections that we'll talk about later. And so we'll go a week at a time through each one of these. And then the poster becomes this like really cool thing uh, at the end of all that. And you'll see what I mean in the video. Um, all right, so I'm going to start this video. This is very short. It's just on the introduction. Give you a little idea of what we're talking about tonight, OK? It's one of the longest and most significant things ever written by the man who was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a Jewish rabbi belonging to a group known as the Pharisees, and he was passionate and devout to the Torah of Moses and the traditions of Israel. And he saw Jesus and his followers as a threat. But then he had a radical encounter with the risen Jesus, who commissioned him as an apostle, like an official representative, to the world of non-Jewish people called Gentiles in the Bible. And so he started going by his Roman name, Paul, and he traveled all around the ancient Roman Empire, telling people about the risen King Jesus, and forming his followers then into these new communities called churches. And Paul would occasionally write letters to these new Jesus communities to help them foster their faith or answer questions, and the Book of Romans is one of these. It was actually written quite late in his career. Now we know from the Book of Acts that the church in Rome had existed for some time, that it was made up of Jewish and non-Jewish followers of Jesus. But at one point, the Roman Emperor Claudius had expelled all of the Jewish people from Rome. And then about five years later, all of those Jews, including Jesus-following Jews, were allowed to return. And when they did, they found a church that had become very non-Jewish in custom and practice. And so this created lots of tension. So that by Paul's day, the Roman church was divided. People disagreed about how to follow Jesus. They were debating about whether non-Jewish Christians should celebrate the Sabbath or eat kosher or be circumcised. And so Paul wrote this letter to accomplish a few things. He wanted this divided church to become unified and for a practical purpose. He was hoping that the Roman church could become a staging ground for his mission to go even further west all the way to Spain. And so these circumstances are what motivated Paul to write out his fullest explanation of the gospel the good news that he was announcing about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, the letter is designed to have four main movements, but it's unified as one long-flowing exploration of the gospel. The gospel, Paul says, first of all, reveals God's righteousness, and then it also creates a new humanity, which fulfills God's promise to Israel. And so it's this gospel that's going to unify the church. Okay, that's it, kind of. Ends on a cliffhanger. Uh, so David will be back next week to kind of do 1 through 4, and then 5 through 8, 9 through 11, 12 through 16. So um, I just love the way their videos are done. And literally what I'm about to do for the next 20 minutes is like they just did it in two minutes. So sorry about that. But um, it'll, it'll make a lot more sense, I think. So let's kind of in turn look at the major things. Again, this is like kind of more like uh, kind of academic, almost feels like the syllabus uh, day in your, you know, your, in your class or something. But uh, we'll get through this. I think it's important to understand, of course, why this is written and what context it was written so that when we read it, it makes more sense. Um, and so I'll start with a really easy one is authorship, okay? This is a painting of uh, Paul by Michelangelo, if you're into art. Um, and so it's written by Paul, Paul the Apostle. Uh, it's challenged by some critics in the past, but like pretty much without any basis in fact. Like if you believe 
anything about the hist historical nature of the Bible and who wrote things. It, it's pretty clearly decided that Paul wrote this almost as much as just about any other book in the Bible. Um, and so C.E.B. Cranfield says that no responsible criticism disputes it. Pauline is the word. Maybe a word you don't use that often, but it's a theology word, Pauline. So you got to know that one. So Pauline origin. Um, what we would say about Paul, and it was explained in the video, is, is that he was originally named Saul. He's from Tarsus. And he was uh, talked about as sort of a Hebrew of Hebrews, and he would say this of himself. So uh, in the Jewish circles, he was really invested into that. He actually trained under, at the time, one of the best-known Pharisees and teachers whose name was Gamaliel. Uh, he was, at the time, he said, the most famous and revered of all rabbis, thoroughly educated in the Old Testament. Um, if you know more about you know, Acts and the story of Saul, he was actually there when Stephen was stoned in Acts 7. He was holding jackets, you know, so I mean, he was, he was in the midst of all this, and he was really invested in that. And I think that's an important thing to kind of realize is that Saul had every reason to stay in that group and to keep doing that sort of thing, and the only thing that could probably buck him out of that was being blinded on the road to Damascus, right? So literally Jesus stepping in and like forcing him to go a different direction and then actually, you know, giving him uh, this job of, you know, teaching to the Gentiles. Um, and so, uh, in terms of, let's see, uh, let's see, yeah, da, da, da. yeah, okay, so he was a true Christian and a true Jew. I think that's what's unique about him, and I think that's why he was chosen, is that he understood uh, Jews and then Jewish Christianity, in a sense, and he also understood Gentiles. And so, uh, the, your blanks there is that he uh, presents a, a classic contrast between law and grace. When he does that, he'll do that multiple times in Romans. He speaks as one who knew both sides of this issue intimately. All right, so he understood the law, and he lived under the law, and he'd respected the law, and he had done everything to try and live that way and be righteous by the law, but then he also understood grace. And I think uh, I'd liken it to if you're in a really maybe super conservative like military family, and then you leave that family, and it's like just this huge burdens lifted off your shoulders. And maybe it's like senior year of high school, and you leave, and you just feel this like burden lifted off. That's kind of what it would feel like to not have to live by all these laws, and now you have grace, right? It's just an amazing feeling. So he would understand that uh, better than just about anybody. All right, so in terms of dates, I love history, so I love dates. And so if you don't, this is going to be a boring part for you. Um, but again, I think it's helpful to sort of understand the context. Um, so this was probably written by Paul while he was in Corinth. He was staying at a house of a guy named Gaius, and he had an amanuensis, which an amanuensis, that's a $1,000 word for you. It is a literary or artistic assistant, in particular one who takes dictation or copies manuscripts. So we kind of think, if you know a little bit more about Paul, he talks about a thorn that he had. People think it's maybe that he had eyesight issues or he was blind. There's a part where he says, see now as I write in my own hand, and it maybe makes it sound like he was writing large letters or something like that. It's the end of Romans, I think, right? Galatians. Galatians, yeah, there you go. Thank you. David's my fact checker. Um, so we think maybe he had blindness. It could have been something else. He never explicitly says. Uh, but maybe that's the reason why he had Tertius, who's writing this stuff down for him. Maybe he had eyesight issues. Obviously, he was intelligent. So I don't think it was he couldn't write or something. But uh, maybe he had Tertius writing. Or maybe he just liked to pace back and forth and talk as, you know, this guy wrote it down. But that's kind of like, if you want to imagine, like, as he's writing this, he's not seated at a desk necessarily, but maybe he's just kind of, like, walking back and forth. Tertius is writing it down. Maybe guys comes in, you want some tea? You're good, okay. And that's kind of like how Romans was written. Um, here's some significant dates, and you can kind of read them up here. Uh, Jesus was crucified. You know, we, we know he's 33 years old, but somebody along the lines kind of messed up the dating. And so Jesus was probably born in like 5 BC, 
which I get that doesn't make a lot of sense, which means he probably died around 28 AD, but we'll say 28 to 33. Uh, Paul was converted not long after that, actually, so 33 to 36 AD, depending on how you date this stuff. And then things that we know definitely on the dates would be you know, bigger events to that time would be like Claudius, and so it talked about him in the video. Emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome in 49 AD. Um, what happened actually is Nero, and we all know Nero, we all know his name. Um, actually in uh, Home Alone, it's Little Nero's Pizza, which I think is a, is a fun fact. Have you ever seen that? Not Little Caesar's, Little Nero's. Um, but in 54, he actually allowed the Jews to come back into Rome. And so that's going to be an important moment for the book of Romans because that influences a lot of what goes on. Um, so Paul writes Romans shortly after that. And so there's been a year or two now where these uh, Jewish, uh, both Jews and Jewish Christians are coming back into the church. And obviously, as you might imagine, that's had an impact on the church and how they're getting along with one another. And that's really, uh, if anything, is sort of the, the signal for the writing of Romans. It's that and the issues that have come from that. Um, of course, Nero is, we know him as like a really mean guy, um, especially from a Christian standpoint. So in 64, they think Nero started a fire in Rome and then he famously fiddled as that happened. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he did blame that fire on Christians. And so things got really bad for Christians. And Paul, in fact, was beheaded either in 64 or 67 AD, so very shortly after. You may know, does anyone know what this is? If you do, I'm very impressed. Does anyone know where this uh, relief shows up? It's in Rome. It's in the Forum. It is a big arch. Arch. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ryan. Ryan's my man. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, this is the Arch of Titus. Um, so this is the sacking of, well, it's, they burned the temple down. And so these are the Jews carrying away pieces of the temple. So it's like the menorah and some other things, like artifacts from the temple after it was burned down. So a lot of persecution of Christians. So this is them walking up. So the Arch of Titus was made to like celebrate this big moment because for the Romans it was a big deal. So like look at them walking away with their stupid stuff, you know. And so that is there in the Roman Forum. We've stood underneath it and looked at it. So it's kind of cool. So anyway, so that would have been 70 AD. So enough about dates. I get it. Too much dates. Okay. Um, and so I think one thing to keep in mind too is, is that you know, I think we worry at a certain age that like we're not prepared to like make an impact maybe on other people or from a discipleship or evangelism standpoint. Like Paul took a long time to get moving. Okay, so he'd spent all this time as a Jew. He had converted, like we said, 33, 36. But we really don't know a lot about the next 10 years of his ministry or of his life. It's not a whole lot. His first missionary journey was actually in 48. So there's about 10 years there where we don't have a lot of information. Like maybe he was studying, maybe he was working on things, but he wasn't writing just a ton. He has a missionary journey, and then now it's even another uh, almost 20 years after that that he's writing Romans, or 10 years after that, sorry. So he's got 20 years here where he's learning, preaching, teaching, going on missionary journeys before he wrote Romans. So 20 years from conversion to writing this, this amazing book. And so it took it a while to crystallize kind of how he wanted to uh, present this. Of course, the Spirit played a part in this too. Um, there's also some stuff about him trying to get to Spain. We don't know if he got to Spain or not. But he wanted to get to Rome so he could then get on to Spain. Some people think he did. Some people think he didn't. David, do you have an opinion? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Thank you, David. All right. So this is actually the easiest question. If only every part test could have questions this easy. Who were the recipients of Romans? Does anyone have any ideas? It was Romans. Yes. Very good. You guys are brilliant. We have doctors here. Um, student doctors. Student doctors. Right. So uh, it was a church in Rome, and at this time, Paul had not visited it yet. Um, Rome, at the time of writing this, there were a million people that lived in Rome, which at the time was huge. It was the most important city 
uh, certainly in the Roman Empire, but in the world at the time. So this was like the nexus of everything. Uh, it might surprise you that there were actually 40 to 50,000 Jews in Rome at the time, which is a good number. Um, and there were as many as 15 synagogues. So there were a lot of Jewish people. And so when you hear about Claudius sending all the Jews out and then them returning, this is not just some like minor thing. This is like 50,000 people coming back into a city of a million. That's a huge, huge deal. Uh, we don't know who started the church in Rome. Catholic tradition would say Peter. Some people would argue with that. Either way, it was somebody, or maybe it was started by people that were influenced from missionary work that Paul or Peter had done that then went and started the church. Uh, and there was probably multiple groups that were meeting in Rome because there's a lot of people there. Um, and so as I said this, like what is influencing Paul's decision to write this was hearing of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians arguing over these things. They did a great job in the video, those two guys arguing back and forth, those groups arguing back and forth. That is what he's really writing into. And so when you're thinking about these things he's writing, don't forget the context and the audience that he's writing it to and the reason he's writing it for. Um, and it'll say too in, in verse 7 of Romans 1, we'll get to it next week, is that the epistle is addressed to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And so your blanks are, it's a combination of Jews and Gentiles. All right, we are almost done. I know it's a long lesson tonight. Okay, and so the theme of Romans, and certainly there's not just like one theme, and there's like every guy and girl that's written on Romans has a theme and a different way of saying it, but uh, what I would say is, and N.T. Wright says this, is that Romans is sort of like a symphony, okay, that's your blank, in four movements. Uh, there are these major four sections that really do have sort of a thematic separation, and that's why we're going to take them, you know, one week at a time. Okay, so verse, uh, sorry, chapters one through four, five through eight, nine through eleven, and twelve through sixteen. Uh, the Bible Project says it like this, and they they put it all in the context of the gospel, which is also another effort of this group is is that we always view things through the lens of the gospel and the good news. I think if we lose sight of that. It sometimes it's kind of pointless to argue over little bitty things, or maybe even you can be learning theology and trying to learn more about it, but if it's not through the purpose of the gospel, the lens of the gospel, it's maybe not as useful. But uh, the gospel, gospel in chapters 1 through 4 reveals God's righteousness, and 5 through 8 creates a new humanity, 9 through 11 fulfills God's promise to Israel, and then 12 through 16 unifies the church. Um, in terms of like a theme verse or a thesis, Jack Cottrell says the theme verse is actually in Romans 1, 16 through 17 and th uh, 328, and you'll see that it has a lot to do with this whole issue with Jewish uh, Christians and Gentile Christians, but uh, I'm going to have you read if it's on your sheet. I think it is Romans 1, 16 through 17, whoever we got to. I think it may have been you. Okay. You got it. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Okay. And then Romans 3.28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. All right, and I would say that that includes a positive statement and a negative one. Okay. Um, and so the statement here then, uh, we'll pull it up right there. There it is. It's the theme of Romans is that uh, because of the righteousness of God, we, and that's your blank, Jews and Gentiles both, everyone, are saved by grace through faith and not by law. Okay, and That's a pretty simple statement, and I think it's one that we have grown up hearing, and it's one that we've grown up accepting, and yet we don't live necessarily by the law of the Jews or the laws of Moses. But we live by our own laws that we create, 
and we live by good deeds and we live by this concept that we do more good than someone else and in some way that makes us more righteous. And Romans speaks to that as much as it spoke to Jews 2,000 years ago that were caught up in trying to follow laws and in that way make themselves right before God. And so the good things that we do today, whatever those things are, whether it's serving in a soup kitchen and making sure we Instagram about it or it's having a foster child that is of another color so that people know that we are fostering and that we are committed to this, um, those are all deeds that are not bad, but they do not make us righteous. And in fact, when we think that we are good people, we're probably thinking in the wrong way. Um, and so it's, it's true that we are actually all sinful, and uh, because of that, we need something to save us. And it's not to say that good things aren't important, or they don't follow from you know, kind of the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, but this is the point of Romans, and I don't want to be lost, is that we are saved by nothing we can do. We're saved by grace. It's a free gift through faith in, in Christ. Okay. Um, all right, so I've got a few discussion questions. Um, I'm not going to get to this tonight. We're going to do this actually at outreach group. And so about five weeks, so we'll do the four weeks on Romans, and then we'll do a fifth week that's kind of tied in that'll be an outreach group. And the idea is, is that invite somebody that needs to hear about Jesus, that needs to hear about the gospel. And there's a really great way of teaching the gospel through Romans. And so there's all sorts of great stuff in Romans. And in fact, really the whole gospel, everything you need to know about the gospel is right in Romans. And you can kind of walk through Romans, so they call it the Romans Road. Um, but I don't think we have time to do that. But if you're curious, we'll get to it later. Okay, some really good stuff in there. And you may be familiar with that. Uh, what I want to do is just end with uh, some discussion questions, and then we'll do some prayer requests. And I think what I'm going to do is turn the podcast off so as not to stifle discussion. Okay, so I want to thank you for listening in, for tuning in. That was a lot to get through in one night, both doing an introduction to uh, this Bible study and also to Romans. We definitely had some more discussion that followed, and I think I always say this, but the discussion was better uh, than almost anything, and maybe better than anything. Uh, so you got to be here in person to really get that sort of stuff. Um, a wonderful group tonight. We had a lot here tonight and a lot of new people. We still have some core members who are out of town. We'll be back with us next week. I look forward to that. Um, so man, it's just feeling really good about everything. Uh, and what we've got coming up, I'm very excited about. So we have uh, all of Romans. This is just the intro tonight. So we have Romans 1 through 4 next week. David Flatt will teach on that. Uh, man, Romans 1 through 4, there's a lot of amazing, amazing theology to be found in that. And the week after, I get to do 5 through 8. Chapter 8 is my personal favorite chapter of the Bible, and it has some of my favorite verses in the Bible in it. So a lot of great stuff to come, and so I hope you'll tune back in with us. Of course, again, if you're in Memphis, uh, come see us. We're in Germantown Monday night, 6.30, in my home here in Germantown. You can message me, Kyle Fagala, on Facebook, and I will definitely do everything I can to help you find uh, this place. So uh, that's all I've got for this week. I hope this is a wonderful week for you. If you are a medical dental student, I hope your studies go well, and I hope you perform well on your tests. And just kind of keep in mind what is of greatest importance. And I know it's easy to focus on the tests and the busyness and the stress of it all. Believe me, I understand that. Uh, but just know that things will work out and that you're going to be fine and that someday you won't be doing those tests. Uh, I'm a testament to that. Uh, I don't take those tests anymore, thankfully. So uh, have a wonderful week. Uh, God bless you. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.